Well, hello, everyone. I'm James Dobson, and you're listening to Family Talk, a listener-supported ministry. In fact, thank you so much for being part of that support for James Dobson Family Institute. Well, hello there. I'm Roger Marsh, and so excited for today's program here on Family Talk. We're sharing part two of Dr. Dobson's conversation with his son, Ryan Dobson, and also Dr. Kathy Cook of the ministry called Celebrate Kids. On yesterday's program, the three began their discussion about Dr. Kathy's book called Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Their conversation was absolutely riveting and so needed in today's digital climate. If you missed any of yesterday's program, by the way, remember you can always listen to it online at drjamesdobson.org. Now, here is Dr. Dobson getting right back into the conversation for part two of this discussion on screens and teens right here on Family Talk. Well, yesterday we were talking with Dr. Kathy Cook. It was a wonderful interview, and uh, I've invited her to be with us again today. Let me go back and reintroduce her because she has so much to say, and she's written six books that many of our listeners will have read. So uh, Dr. Kathy Cook holds an earned Ph.D. in reading and educational psychology from Purdue University, She was a tenured associate professor of education at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. She also taught second graders. (laughs) She was a middle school coach and a school board member before becoming a full-time conference speaker in 1991. Dr. Cook is deeply committed to Jesus Christ, whom she says is the foundation of her ministry and her life. And we're so glad to have Dr. Kathy with us. Welcome back to JDFI. I am so honored to be here. So happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I've also invited our son, Ryan Dobson, to participate not only in the discussion yesterday, but also to be with us again today. He has his own podcast ministry called Rebel Parenting. Uh, He's the author of a number of books. Uh, So it's good to have Ryan back. Now, the book that we're going to talk about again today will hit home with parents and grandparents uh, who are looking for answers. It's titled Screens and Teens, Connecting with Kids in a Wireless World. It's such an important topic. And uh, Dr. Kathy, uh, let's get right into it. For sure. Uh, This is something that I think is really insightful. It may not be original with you, but I sure loved it. You suggest that the parents ought to take what they call no-screened vacations. Elaborate on that. Yeah, ideally, you know, even if it's a half a day, you know, realistically, again, where there's one phone, you know, the emergency number, the, you know, the GPS phone, if you will, the phone that you might have to use. Maybe you're going to search for which restaurant is open. Like, I get that. But no other devices uh, on the walk in the park, in the car ride, because conversations will happen. You know, going to a mountain cabin with no cell signal, oh my goodness, you know, (laughs) and initially it can be like panic city, but it's ultimately really good for the heart and the mind and the connection of the family to engage. Now, don't be foolish. Don't go on a no phone, no tech vacation and leave all the toys at home. Make sure you take board games and really enjoyable books and soccer balls and footballs and Frisbees and find out what's available in the community that you guys could participate in. But having the um, the alternatives is really, really important. 
You told an absolutely wonderful and delightful story about a boy's reaction to screen time. Came up to you after you had spoken? Um, I had shared at a parent meeting about a digital free days. And I was I suggested two days a week, possibly, except for educational use. I, I used to say, unless you only turn it on if you need to read by it or cook with it, otherwise keep it off. And I recommended two days a week. And I recommended that the parents invite the children to participate in the decision-making. So their eight or nine-year-old little boy said, well, dad, let's choose Wednesday and Sunday. Well, he was a smart kid because they're at church on Wednesday night and they're at church on Sunday. Well, he came up to me in the hallway at the church a while after that. And he said, you know, are you the lady? And I'm like, what lady? Are you the lady who taught my mom and dad to turn off all the toys, all the technology? And I said, yes. And Dr. Dobson, he said, thank you. And I was really kind of hesitant thinking he would, you know, yell at me, so to speak. But he said, you know, I now know how to catch a ball. My dad took me to the park and taught me how to catch a ball. And I got to make cookies with my mom. And it was amazing. And the parents were standing over to the side with tears in their eyes as he said, you know, thank you for what I had done. And, you know, what was interesting. I did that for really for the children. But the mom and dad came up to me after and said that they were also transformed by that, that they found themselves having more intimate conversations as a couple, that they had worked harder to like walk toward their children to see what would my son and daughter want to do with me now that I have time to do something with them. So it actually helped the mom and dad and the kids and the family. And I will tell you that many, many children have thanked me. They don't thank the parents in the instant. You know, they might actually yell and push back. But I have gotten numerous notes from children who have said, thank you, I am calmer, I am more joyful, I am more grateful, our family has become normal again. Dr. Kathy, I just read that story yesterday. You left the line, a critical line out as you retold it because that little boy looked at you and said, thank you, I got my daddy back. That's right. I mean, that's the punchline for the story, and it brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, Dr. Kathy, I think on that, really, that's the message to parents. Those parents were missing out on so much in their lives because I think parents have bought into this. When it's screens and teens, I think secretly this is a parents and screens book. I think there are so many parents that have absolutely 100% bought into that social media lie. They get their you know, likes from it, their self-worth from it, they're feeling their identity from it. But when their kids start asking for time, they start spending time with their children. And it's more rewarding. They start spending time with their spouse and it's more rewarding. Parents need this book. You know, that's a really interesting comment there, Ryan, because it's not only teens that are the problem here, but it is adults as well. I have wondered to what extent is this invasion of technology interfering with marriage? It's alarming, isn't it? And, you know, technology has allowed all of us to be less vulnerable and less transparent, less accountable to others. And that bleeds over then between husbands and wives and adult children and their parents who are still our parents. They'll never not be a parent. And then, of course, between uh, parents and their children and between siblings. We're less connected all the way around. And we know it. We know it. Are we going to be brave enough, courageous enough, wise enough, and mature enough to decide to change? Those are decisions we can make. Mm-hmm. And we have a conversation. We have decided 
we miss each other. We're not designed to live in the same home. We're designed to love and live and know each other intimately. And we've lost, I miss you, even though I live with you. And we are going to grow up and make some changes here. So the bottom line for us and for the people listening is technology can not only be a problem for our kids, but for us. We're in the same world. We see the same things. We have the same temptations. And we all need to take a step back and correct uh, the amount of time that we give to this subject. How do we have time for the Lord? How do we have time to read the Bible, to study, to contemplate? Uh, you know, we just get so wrapped up in all that's going on that I don't think there's ever been a time in human history where the distractions have been so pressing and so uh, obvious and should make us pause. I appreciate all those comments so much because you know what, gentlemen? We have to want more for ourselves. We have to want more. We have to realize I like to talk to young people about abundant life. We have that option now. Abundant life doesn't start when you die an earthly death. We can have abundant life now. Do we know what we don't have and do we want more? And when you realize how much more love provides for you and how much more joy provides for you and how the firm foundation shifts, it it changes you. We have to want that, desire that. And work to make it happen. You know, change requires a taking off and a putting on. Mm -hmm. If you read Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, change requires a taking off of the old self and a putting on of the new self and a changing of the mind. So when we say we want to do tech less, we want to get off our phone, know what you're going to do instead. Because if you have nothing to do instead of gaming, instead of social media scrolling, instead of researching Pinterest, instead of a football game, if you don't know what to do instead you'll have an empty vacuum that will be very painful and you'll immediately pick up your device. That's right. So know what you can do instead. Mm -hmm. And I think we can be very successful. Dr. Kathy, you made one point in here that really ought to be emphasized. I'd like you to do it. Uh, You talk about uh, the screen time has a way of making kids feel that they're the center of the universe. How does it do that? How does a child become convinced that he's the only thing that matters and that his concerns are the only thing important? Uh, Elaborate on that. You know, one of the ways that happens is when parents ignore them. You know, so again, we're back to, you know, the the choice to isolate. If if I'm alone a lot, then I turn to the device. I can um, hear a song and buy it immediately and, and listen to it forever. Back in the day, I had to save 20 bucks, drive to the store, hope the record was there, and buy a whole album for the one song I wanted. You know, we can um, have whatever we want the way we want it. We don't watch shows we don't want to watch because most of us have our own devices. So we're not, you know, at, at dad's, you know, control, if you will. We decide who to connect with on social media. I don't have to connect with you and you don't have to connect with me. I don't have to play a game I don't want. I don't have to watch a movie I don't want to watch. Uh, and, and we answer the phone if we want to, we control it. And it, it's so dangerous because all of this lie that I am the center of my own universe causes the pride, self-centered, entitled, angry, lonely reality that says, I don't even need God because ultimately it's all about me. You said in the book that uh, lie number one is I am the center of the universe. Truth number one is no, 
God is the center of the universe. So it goes right to the heart of what we believe. Absolutely. And something that's happened a lot this uh, over the la- last couple of months as I've spoken to a lot of young people, they'll say to me, you know, Dr. Kathy, I'm not sure that I've ever thought I was the center of my own universe, but I think I'm the center of my mom's. <laughs> and one of the things I'll say to parents, and I, and I don't say this lightly, but if parents post 65 pictures of a birthday party, because they think even grandma needs to see 65 pictures, you're, you're saying to your kids, it really is all about you making me happy. It's all about you making me look good. I tell the story in the book of a child who did something really fun on the playground and went up to his mom and said, was that good enough for Facebook or should I do it again? Mm-hmm. rather than, did you like that, mom? Wasn't that cool what I did? And so we who are adults and supposedly the mature ones, we need to make sure that we're not creating a, a false life on social media again. you know. And I'm not saying if you posted a bunch of Christmas pictures that you've done something wrong. Of course not. I will post my own pictures. There's nothing inherently horrible about that. But it's the idea of, uh, you know, how many and and you know, what kind of attention did you draw to yourself in those moments? So do your kids feel like they have to perform for you because they are the center of your world? Or are you parenting and modeling marriage if you're married so that they understand God is at the center of it all? Yeah. We started seeing this a little while ago as that child-centric thing where you started getting the helicopter parents and the snowplow parents. I will say this. People say, oh, do you shelter your kids? And I go, absolutely. I shelter them as much as humanly possible. I try to keep them younger longer. I am not trying to take away regular life consequences and hardships from them. But I will say what we try to do as a family is create the safest possible environment within our home for our children, because the world is rough out there. It's rough for our kids. The difference in social media, I was talking to my son about this last week. If a kid at school didn't like me when I was 15 and I went home, I didn't hear about it until I got back to school and ran into that dummy the next day. Now, (laughs) children on social media get to hear every negative comment about them to their face 24 hours a day. And it's not the gamers in Romania keeping my son up at night. It's the bad parents that don't monitor their children's cell phone usage that keep texting my son at two in the morning and then force me to reach out to the parent and say, could you please control your child in just the slightest? At 15, getting 18 texts at three in the morning seems inappropriate. You know, Ryan, you are the keeper and the trainer and the lover of my grandchildren, and you're doing an absolutely fantastic job of taking care of those kids. And I just want you to know, I say publicly how much I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate that. I really do. Let let me throw one more thing in as a parent, because, you know, as parents, we're always looking at our budgets, things like that. This is a really interesting one when it comes to health consciousness and parents. They did a study of children showing them Saturday morning cartoons, and they gave them goldfish crackers to eat while watching cartoons. They did the study again, and they added regular Saturday morning commercials in between the cartoons the children were watching. And what they noticed was the children ate 60% more goldfish crackers if they were watching commercials. That's how dangerous those commercials are for your children. But what I will say to adults is that pull is there for adults. And what we see at Rebel Parenting is that Amazon expenditures have been skyrocketing 
the more the parents are watching TV because commercials are designed to create a, a, a need that needs to be satisfied within you. And what they hope is you'll buy the product they're selling you. But if you don't, that need has still been created. And if you've got a phone in your hand and low self-discipline, Amazon can satiate that need really quickly. Commercials on social media, right? Right. You know, I've been posting during the Thanksgiving Christmas season, of course, meaningful scripture and meaningful quotes and stories. And then you're sucked into the ad thinking, ooh, that would be really cool for my nephew or my great niece would love that or maybe I would like that. And before you know it, you're on social media for a long time and you're spending money that you don't have. And again, we're not we're not stupid, horrible people. It's designed to do that. Right. And it is addictive. And again, we all have needs. And yet we would we would say, you know, let's make sure that our needs are being met in healthy ways and not unhealthy ways. Totally. Well, we're running out of time. Uh, there's a question that I've wanted to ask Dr. Cook. Uh, what does neurological uh, research tell us about the obsession with technological devices morning, noon, and night, the same activity repetitively? Do we know the impact that has on the human brain? We are beginning to understand it more and more. You know, this is why there are hospitals for the tech addicted. Um, the neurons are connecting, you know, and, and this would be you know, much more your expertise than mine, but the neurons and the synapses are connecting. And it's why the habit is so hard to break. It's why when we're bored, we go to the device. I know of people who pick up a phone at a red light. A red light is a minute long, but we can't handle a minute of boredom and silence because we don't feel important like the world revolves around us. So we pick up our phone. Oh, heaven forbid that I might you know, miss out on something. Oh, my goodness. And so it is wiring that expectation of entitlement, all about me, a quick pace. Children are bored when somebody reads them a paper book and I try to turn the page quicker than the mom or dad can allow it to be changed because they're still reading the text that's there. But the kids are used to such a quick pace. That's brain development. You know, and this is why we're having a disconnect between grandparents and grandchildren often mm -hmm. because their brains are radically different. We're not, a, you know, we're not addicted to the phone. We're addicted to the adrenaline drop yeah. that the device causes, right? The ping and the ding and the, you know, you won the game kind of celebration on the device. And all of that addiction is changing the brain. And this is why so many of us are concerned about intellectual growth. Kids who are learning on devices, kids who have done um, device-based school colleges that are doing more and more device-centered, uh, it's damaging. What does it do to mental health? Do we have a handle on that? Dr. Kathy, here's what I'm, I'm wondering. The effects of mental health on young girls and social media is so extreme. And all the studies are coming out and the tech companies know it. They know the mental health issues of young girls are being exacerbated by their algorithms so extensively. Will someday we have a sort of a big tobacco reckoning. You know, for decades, big tobacco said, oh no, smoking's not bad for you. One in seven doctors, perverse, Paul Mall, you know, whatever that was. I think tech companies are playing a very dangerous game with the future when they know how dangerous and how insidious it is for mental health of young girls in social media. I, I agree. You know, both of you, great question and great comment. It is a reason to get off our devices. It is a reason to have tech-free zones in our homes, tech-free days in our week. 
um, rules and policies that we follow, that we expect our children and grandchildren to follow, not because we're mean and they're bad, but because we love you too much to allow this to continue. We have, we have young girls in therapy way sooner than they would have been 10 years ago. Depression is real. They don't know how to handle difficult emotion. They do not know how to handle boredom. We've got to teach kids how to handle boredom or they're going to go one, from one kind of Coke to another. And we've seen that start. Uh, and so this is, again, where we as the mature parents draw the line and say, because of our love and our passion for you and the fact that we're an ordained family unit that we don't want to lose, we're going to make some changes here. Devices could be used for as tools and not toys. Mm -hmm. Devices could be used only for an hour a day. Devices could be used only after one hour of face-to-face -face socialization. Then you're allowed 30 minutes of screen time. There are policies that we can implement. You know what? When children are young, you never let them color 24 hours a day. You would never let a kid play kickball 10 hours in a row. You would never let a kid eat as many chocolate chip cookies as he wanted to. Parents have always said no to the things that they knew were unhealthy. Why is it harder with technology? Because we're just as addicted as our kids, and we would have to sacrifice our own self for the betterment of our children. And that is... That's a whole nother show, yeah. guys, but but I need to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been talking to Dr. Kathy Cook about her book, Screens and Teens. Uh, we covered about a third of it. There's so much in this book. Uh, Dr. Kathy, you have written a very practical book here. It's just so much information here for parents. And I hope that uh, our listeners, both parents and grandparents, will avail themselves of this book because they will benefit from it. More importantly, their children will benefit from it. Thank you for writing this book and for being our guest today. I appreciate your affirmation. That means a lot. And it's been an absolute joy and a real privilege to be a part of your action here. Thank you so much. And the question is, how do people get in touch with you? Our website is celebratekids.com. And they can find us, of course, on the uh, Instagram and Facebook, like so many other ministries. But our website is celebratekids.com. We have an email newsletter. We have our own podcast. We, we would love for people to hang out with us there. It sounds like you're pretty heavily into technology yourself. You know, we, we really have to be. But again, to use it as a tool, to use it as an educational, spiritual maturity device and not always a toy makes a difference. Hmm. We've got time just to have you answer this. Are you working on another book now? I am. I have a book due. Um, it's actually it was turned in in early December. It's a book about resiliency, how parents can raise resilient children who will not stay down in the valley, but will learn to walk out of the despair, depression, and trauma that they experience. We're really excited about it. Listen, this is a date. When you get it written and published, you come back and talk to us, will you? I would love that. Thank you, sir. And thank you for being our guest. Ryan, thank you for being with us today. You made a contribution to the program, and uh, I love you. It's always a pleasure, Dad. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Kathy. It was great. Well, what an encouraging conclusion to this two-day conversation featuring Dr. Dobson, his son, Ryan Dobson, and Dr. Kathy Cook, author of the book, Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. You know, a lot of the issues that teens deal with today because of technology really have one common culprit, and that is the adults in their lives. 
the old adage that children pay more attention to what you do than what you say is so true in this context. If we are constantly checking social media, why are we surprised when our kids spend hours scrolling through it? If we check our text messages at stoplights, how can we get mad at our own kids when they do the same? If the last thing we do before we fall asleep is watch an episode of our favorite TV program, we shouldn't be too surprised when our kids watch hours and hours of YouTube late into the night as well. As families, we can take a look at our technology habits and usage, and then we can work together to make smarter choices that will benefit everyone. If you want to learn more about Dr. Kathy, her ministry called Celebrate Kids, or her book called Screens and Teens, just go to drjamesdobson.org forward slash broadcast, or you can give us a call. Our phone number is 877-732-6825. Thanks again for listening to Family Talk today. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, you will want to know about a special resource that we have currently available here at the JDFI. It's our 2021 Best of Broadcast Collection. Now, this set features some of our most popular interviews from the past year, including conversations with Pastor Jack Graham, radio host Mark Levin, millennial thought leader Ali Beth Stuckey, and more well-known voices. Now, we've compiled 18 special programs into a six-CD set. Just go to drjamesdobson.org forward slash best of 2021 and order yours today for a suggested donation of $50. That's drjamesdobson.org forward slash best of 2021. Roger Marsh here signing off for today and reminding you to listen in again tomorrow as we are joined by pro-life leader Jeannie Mancini. It's a great conversation with valuable information about Sanctity of Life Month, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and the March for Life all happening during the month of January. That's coming up next time right here on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. This has been a presentation of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute.